This is WJR's Business Biography. Now here's your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome to Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. A gift for making a sale, an indomitable drive to succeed, and the validation that comes with extraordinary success. Today on Business Biography, we're featuring the stunning success story of an old school throwback, holes in his leather soles from knocking on doors to make the sale kind of entrepreneur who will both outwork and outsmart you to win. And win big, he did. Our featured story today, 1-800-Hansons and its tenacious founder and CEO, Brian Elias. Founded in 1988, Brian grew the company into an $80 million home improvement and remodeling company headquartered in Troy, Michigan, and now employs over 500 people. In 2017, 1-800-Hansons was acquired by a private equity firm delivering Brian Elias the spoils of extreme business success. Fasten your seatbelt, lean in, and get ready to hear the most incredible success story of Brian Elias and 1-800-Hansons. When I was uh, in college, I was spending most of my time screwing around and having a good time, partying with my friends, just like the kids are doing right now. And I had a riot at school. And my father gave me a call one day and said, you know something, Brian, maybe school's not for you. And I was sitting around with some friends while I'm having this conversation. And I hung up the phone and a girl who was sitting there says, what did your dad say? He says that I should basically go seek out a business to go into or start selling something. And he suggested that I go work for his friend who was in the window business. And she says, that's funny. My brother's in the window business. I, and I didn't even know people bought windows. I, I thought houses come with them and that's it. Had no idea people ever thought about replacing them. So I, I listened to her and she says, I'm going to call my brother. So she picks up the phone and at that time, we didn't have cell phones. Everything was just a normal phone and called her brother. And it turns out her brother worked for my father's friend. It was a fluke. And he invited me down to go see what they do and how they do it. And I looked at the business and I said, this is mind blowing. The guy goes out, gets a lead, sells the order for $3,500, puts $350 in his pocket. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is me. I've got a good personality. I was fairly charismatic. I'm like, I could totally do this. Never thinking that I'm going to be in business for myself. So as time progressed, I interviewed and got the job working for them. I started off knocking on doors for them, drumming up leads for their salespeople. And as I was starting to drum up those leads, they were very excited because I was able to get leads easily. And I didn't go up to the door and go, hi, do you want to buy windows? You know, because the customer said no. But I'd say things like, I'm looking at your windows and they seem to be in, you know, tired shape. And I was wondering if we can get out here and give you an estimate on your windows. No pressure at all. And I got a large majority of the people to say, yes, I'm interested. Door-to-door -door sales works. Whoever tells you different, they're not telling the truth. Door-to-door -door sales do work. So I would drum up these leads and all the salespeople 
including the guy who I met with, were thrilled with my leads because I did a good job setting them up to be closed. You warmed it up. Right? I warmed it up. They, yeah. were, they loved me. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> and then I said, okay, what do I do about this? Well, this is not where I want to be. You know, not how, how old were you at this point? I am 20 years old at this point. Okay. And you left school. Uh, I'm still in school at that time, but about to leave. Success breeds success. And with confidence now growing, it's only natural for the young Brian Elias to question why he isn't the one making the full sale instead of just chasing the leads. I don't need school. I can make money, right? I can make money, more money doing this than I could make you know, graduating and make 32,000 when I get out of school. So I'm realizing there's another path. So I finally said, I want to start selling these leads myself. And they said, well, you can sell on Saturdays. You set up the salespeople and then you can knock yourself into homes on Saturdays. So I started the Saturday knock-in on my own. So I'm working six days a week. And I, you know, I'll wake up at nine in the morning and I go and I start knocking on doors. Hey, you know, I'm right here right now. I can give you a price. And all of a sudden I start bringing orders in on Saturday. I was paid X amount commission on every job that was sold. And it was 3% commission. So I got $100 every time they got a 3,000 some odd dollar sale. So I'd work all week long. I'd give them their leads. And then I would go knock up what I could on a Saturday and try to get into two to three houses. And if I got in three, I'd sell two. And so I'm making great money. And then it got to the point where I'm like, why doesn't somebody else get the leads? Let me go out and sell these. And they saw that I was able to outsell even their own better people that they had. So they looked at me and said, all right, we're going to figure out how to get you leads. So they started telemarketing for my leads. I was still knocking my own up on Saturdays. I wanted to make money. I had no money. I grew up with nothing. One thing that I learned early on is when you can get over fear of what other people think, you can be successful in everything. The big thing is, what are they going to say? What I actually think people have is the fear of judgment by others. Because fear of failure, you already know you're, gonna, you're not going to sell everybody. So it's more about being judged by them. So people won't say things because they're worried about what the other person thinks. I don't care what somebody else thinks. I care what I think. So when you do not give control of yourself to somebody else, you're way ahead of the game. So when I went on and knocked on this door, if they said, no, get off my porch, I wasn't, okay, wish you the best, have a good day, off to the next house. And I killed them with kindness. Every time somebody was mean to me on their porch, get off my porch. So I was a shy kid. And I realized that I wasn't the guy who was getting all the girls. And I realized that all the girls were responding to the guys who were not so nice, who didn't care. And I realized that I'm watching them and I'm like, okay, what am I doing different? I'm just as good looking. Okay. I, I got a good personality, but I was a little shy. And I realized these guys weren't shy. In fact, what I noticed is they had the, I don't care attitude. And all of a sudden, when you don't have that care attitude, it changed. And I watched it and I'm like, what is this guy doing? And I realized it's a formula. He put himself first. Okay and made sure that his needs were taken care of first. 
And I started to think about it more and more. And then I practiced it. And I was always afraid to like say hello to people and things like that. So when I was younger, I started practicing saying hello to people at a gas station, car washes, grocery stores, elevators, all the places I could say hello. And to this day, I still do it just to remind myself where I came from. And what I realized is I could start a conversation with anybody, anytime. So I eliminated that fear that most people have. And how do you eliminate fear? Practice doing something over and over again. I tell the story about the roller coaster. Okay, the roller coaster, you're down on the ground, you look up, you're going, wow, that's really fast, it's really scary. But if you keep riding that same roller coaster, instead of having this rush, the rush goes away because now it's known, it's normal. You've normalized the experience. So it's the same thing with talking to people and accepting rejection and accepting their judgment and realize that not everyone's going to like you and getting okay with that and understand that people will judge you and getting okay with that and not caring. So it was practicing that. So I started off with the hello and all of a sudden people are saying hi and they're starting to make conversation with me. And I realized that the more I communicate with people and the more that I break the ice, they're just like me. We're all fighting the same challenges. We all have fears. People are like, are you, Brian, are you fearless? No, I fear less than other people do. Of course I have fears, but if they're not warranted fears, I say, this is not worth being scared about. Once I stopped worrying, it all changed. And change it did. When we come back, we'll pick it up with Brian Elias, today featuring the incredible success story of 1-800-Hansons, right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. Every good entrepreneur will tell you that the rubber meets the road in the sales department. And Brian Elias continued to hone his skills as a salesman that could run with the best of them. From generating leads to hawking phones out of the back of his car, we pick it up now with Brian Elias telling the amazing story of how he created and successfully sold the amazing company 1-800-Hansons. So before I was in the window business, I was selling merchandise out of the trunk of my car. So I would go to like a wholesaler and buy refurbished products. And at that time it was cordless phones, answering machines, car stereo speakers. And I would buy those items on consignment and I would put them in my trunk and I would put a nice display set up and I literally would pull into parking lots, car washes, gas stations. Hey, boss is blowing out all this merchandise half price and people would come take a look and I go, do you want to buy this? And it was no. Are you interested in this? No. So I started to change the story that I told. I said, Hey, I got this from a wholesaler. They're blowing them out for half price. Here, take a look. They'd come and take a look and they'd say, how much is the phone? I'd automatically take that phone 
hand it to them, put it in their hands so they had possession of the phone. So made it more like theirs. Well, the phone's regularly priced, you know, $199. We're blowing those off for 79 bucks. How many do you need? Okay. And it's in their hand. And sometimes they'd go to hand it back to me and I'm not taking it back. I'm going to negotiate a price. If it costs me $50 for the phone, I'm at 79. I make $29. But if I don't sell it to the guy, I make nothing. So I realized, okay, so all of a sudden I would try to make between $10 and $30 on an item. So I'll tell you what. I told you it's 79. I'll do it for 69. Fair enough. And I'd shut up and wait for the answer. And I knew I could negotiate all the way down to my $10 limit because I wasn't going to sell the item unless I could make 10 bucks. And if I sold 10 items a day, I was making $100 a day cash. And I love that. And I realized that, you know, if you ask the right questions to people, you'll get the right answers. So I took some of those experiences of lots of rejection, lots of walking up to people, and took those things and I said, all right, what's next? What's next? What's next? And I kept going to these people and selling more and more items. And once in a while, you run into somebody and saying, hey, I'm looking for Christmas gifts. I'll take 10 of those phones. All of a sudden, I sold 10. Okay? At a $20 profit, I made $200. And back in 1985, $200 cash in a day was like huge. Any good entrepreneur will tell you that the rubber meets the road in the sales department. And Brian Elias is now positioning to move from generating leads for others to close and hawking phones out of his car's trunk to setting in motion plans to own a company of his own. So about six months after I was selling only and stopped knocking on doors, except for myself, I realized that I could do this for myself. And the only thing that was in my way was you had to be a licensed builder. So I said, okay, I'm going to go take the class, pass this test, which is a difficult test, and become a licensed builder. So I never studied, ever, but I studied my butt off for this. Yeah, there was purpose there. That, that made sense to you. That had a place in life. It could do something for you. Right. Very tangible. So when there was something there and it was real and it was going to affect me. Not just philosophy and, you know, entertainment or education for the sake of information. and Right. You know, read this novel because it's going to change my life. I mean, I tell this story to people all the time. I have never read a novel my entire life to this day. I didn't read a book until I was 35 years old, ever. And now I would consider myself an avid reader and I've learned a ton of things. And I only read self-help and business books, nothing else. So never read a book at all. No novels. You say you've never read anything? Zero. If I didn't watch it on TV, I've never read it. How'd I get through high school? I used to go and buy the Cliff Notes, okay? And just got enough just to pass. And that was really, really who I was, is figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. Because school bored me. It wasn't for me. It used to say on my report card, almost every report card, Brian is performing below his apparent abilities. And I'm that story that school wasn't for them. So now, you know, fast forward, I started selling, you know, and I went and took this builders and I passed the test. And I was so excited that I passed this test that I went in and told my boss, okay, and I wasn't planning on leaving at that point, but it was in my future that I had passed this test and they fired me that exact same day. Why did they fire you? Because they knew that I would be a competitor. They knew it. That probably fueled that happening, though. Well, it, it certainly fueled it faster. 
So I was shocked. I couldn't believe they fired me. I was great at my job. I did nothing wrong. They looked for a reason. It was small. I didn't leave a document at a customer's house. It was a nonsense document. Didn't matter. It was, you know, anybody could have made the mistake. And they used that that same day as an excuse. And, you know, I think they would admit that to this day. And that was fine. So what happened was I'm like, okay, there's a lesson to be learned here. So I went to go work for another window company. And I was their top guy right away. And I saved my money. And I started Hanson's with $5,000. In 1988. In 1988. 5000 bucks. And when you say you started Hanson's with $5,000, what was Hanson's in the early days? It was you. It was me. My father's name was Hanley. I'm his son. That's where the name Hanson's came from. And literally, I was in a room no bigger than 200 square feet. And that was my office at 12 Mile in Van Dyke in a dumpy office building. And that's where I started. And that was the beginning of the story. And I remember hiring my first installers. And I used to have to wake them to get them out of bed to install because nobody wanted to work for the little guy because they didn't trust him. So these are the challenges that I was up against. So we'd sell a job. Nobody gave me credit. So I had to go and run and take the money from the customer to go give it to the supplier to make my windows for me. And then the day I installed the windows, part of my deal with them, because they didn't trust me and I didn't blame them, is I had to go pay the window bill the minute that that money came in. That went on only for four or five months, and then they got to get comfortable with me. And I always paid everything early. I did everything to make sure that my supplier was my partner. And we did a great job with that. So as we grew, people wanted to do business with us. And then I realized I was in the business, not on the business, not working on the business. I was in it. I was selling. I was managing. And I was working, you know, with my girlfriend who eventually became my wife at that time. And we worked together. We just kept doing a little more and a little more. And then I started hiring salespeople and then hiring people to knock on doors. And all of a sudden I'm building what they had and I moved far away from them. I wanted to stay away from, they taught me the business. I moved to the other side of town to try to be respectful. You're saying them being the company that fired you. The company that fired me. Right. You know, I looked at it, it was my father's friend. I just stayed away, you know, and just did my own thing. And all of a sudden I built this brand that was just me. And so I started getting it out there and, you know, marketing it and, you know, knocking on doors. So we knew if we sent out multiple people to knock on doors every day, we would get X amount of leads every day. So if a guy knocked a hundred doors, he'd probably get three leads. So we said, here's what we want you to do every day. Knock a hundred doors. They'd get three appointments. Most of the people weren't as good as me at knocking on the doors. It didn't matter. What mattered is they knocked on the doors and I would, you know, had 10 people out knocking on doors. That means that day I would have 30 leads come in. Half of those would fall off. So we'd have 15 leads to run. And that's how we built our businesses strictly from knocking on doors. You're listening to the amazing success story of 1-800-HANSONS as told by its founder and leader, Brian Elias. Back with more in a minute on Business Biography. Welcome back 
to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography, today featuring the amazing success story of 1-800-Hansons. Having mastered his skills as a salesman and founding his own company, 1-800-Hansons, Brian Elias turned his attention next to becoming a master marketer and began exploring creative ways to generate customers, including taking a starring role in his own TV commercials as pitchman for his company. I never intended to be on TV myself, ever. What happened was I started putting my company on TV and the guy who I was working with recommended that I become my own spokesperson. I said, hire somebody else. And what happened was the guy wanted $900 to be our spokesperson. I'm like, $900 for, it'll it'll take you 15 minutes to do this. But they wanted $900. And I said, for $900, I'll do it myself. And that's how I ended up on television and doing my own stuff. So I'd go on TV and basically tell a story. Hi, we're here to help you. You have a problem. And here's how we're going to save you money. And we always approached it that way. And we still to this day approach it that way. And all the things you see on TV are all really doing the same things. Stop, shop here. Give us a call. We'll take good care of you. That could be Gardner White Furniture. That could be Sam Bernstein. Okay, that could be Mike Morse. They're all saying, here's our value proposition. Give us a call. We'll make it worth your while. And so that's all everybody's really doing is saying, I could be the most benefit to you. Call me. I mean, that's sales 101, advertising 101. I mean, it's a message that works. It's a great call to action. Yep. And, you know, people do business with who they know, like, and trust. And automatically, when you go on TV, that builds trust. They say they can afford to be on TV. That builds trust right away. And TV is a very powerful medium because you're hitting more senses. You see them, you hear them, you feel their energy. I mean, it's a powerful, powerful medium, much more powerful than any type of, you know, Valpac or things like that. Right. And of course, you were on there often. So that frequency, which is one of the key tenets to successful advertising, that frequency was built in. I remember seeing you on TV frequently. If I watched Tiger's game, whatever it may be, I would see you two or three times. You were, you were in my living room. You were in my kitchen. You're in people's bedrooms. You were there. Right. Cause I, and I created a value proposition and I said, now, you know, me, call me, you need windows, call me, pick up the phone. And I didn't use this voice. This was what I sounded like on TV, which you have to sound different. So it's exciting and feels good to people. Hi, I'm Brian Elias, president of 1-800-ANSWERS. We're having our biggest sale ever. And things like that. Pitch man. So, yeah, because it needs to feel exciting to people because, I mean, it's going to make you laugh. Windows is boring. You got to get their attention. Absolutely. Okay. You know, I tell the story. They go, how do you do it? I said, I have four things I do. I interrupt, I engage, I educate, and I give them an offer they can't refuse. And I do the same thing today in everything that we do. So you have to do it that way and you can't deviate. You just can't say, hi, I'm Brian Elias. We own a great company. Give us a ring. So you mastered the art of pitching. You mastered the art of that advertising medium. You learned that that worked for you. Your return on investment was the best out of any other medium. Without question. And you also had one more thing in your back pocket that worked really, really well. And I know you're a big believer in it. And that's the jingle. I'm a firm believer that when you have something that you can get people to do when you're not around. I'm still singing that song. Correct. 
And, you know, when I was a kid, it was, we're father and son for when it comes to modernizing, you need done. No job's too big. No job's too small. We're father and son. We do it all. Or give us a call. Okay. Which they figured out, hey, we forgot the call to action. So they changed their song to say, tell them what to do. Then what happened is you start seeing things like that. And then it was, let's go Krogering for the best of everything, including the price. Okay. Come on, dog. Me and dog want you to go to Telegraph Road. There you go. Right now. So these things are knocking around in your head and you're saying, man, they're in my head. I need to be in the consumer's head of the people I'm trying to reach. So then, ironically, Empire came into our market and it was... 588 to 300 Empire today. Interesting. And then I'm like, they put their phone number in their jingle. That's powerful. That was powerful. So not only did you know their brand, like father and son, but they put the phone number. And so then they knew who to call right then and there. I'm like, that's brilliant. So that's what I did is I put my phone number into the song. You actually made it your brand. Yeah, it made it my brand. It's, and we changed the name from Hanson's Window Company. I mean, you went that far, right? Call 1-800-HANSON'S today. So now you're in a rhythm. The phones are ringing. The word is out. The phone number's out. The pitch man's got them all listening to him. There's lots of action. Now you got to sell them. The leads come in through the ads. Now what happens? So what we have to do is you have to build a sales process. So I had to take everything that I did in a house and say, I have to build this for anybody to do regardless of their personality. Today we use PowerPoint, but a pitch book is just as effective. And you build this pitch book and you're walking the people down a path. And every section you say, do you see why it's, you know, it makes sense to do business with us. And getting it right, they were. Now building out a sales force, the company begins to grow exponentially. You'll hear all about it as told by company founder and leader, Ryan Elias. We'll be right back on Business Biography, today featuring the story of 1-800-Hansons. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography, today featuring the story of 1-800-Hansons as told by the company's founder, Brian Elias. It's always a fragile moment in a company's growth when the company founder entrusts sales to new hires. And Brian Elias navigates these tricky waters and grows his company to become an attractive acquisition target. It is an interesting moment and it's challenging because you never feel like they can do it as well as you. And what you realize is you have to build a business where they don't. And you've accepted that as a cost of doing business. So you realize that while I was able to close seven to eight out of 10 every day, that some of my staff were closing at 35, 40, 45, 50. And that's okay if you build your model to work like that. So what happened is oftentimes I would have to call back their sales and say, what happened? How come you didn't buy? And I would be able to close their sales because the pitch worked, but they just didn't know how to ask for the business. So today... In our teachings and during that time, we started training all of those things over and over again. Because at the end of the day, if you did a good job selling your product, really, it's just getting the customer comfortable with the price and comfortable with the payment. And 
sometimes people had problems doing that. So we role played a lot and we practiced a lot to make our reps better. Today, in you know what I do now, we put people through a very extensive training program that all came from my designs. Now, you did another thing, too, that I actually had an opportunity to visit your facility at Hanson's when you were still operating it before you sold it. And I was amazed by one thing. I walked in, and in the center of the office was a darkened cube that inside had monitors that in real time were tracking cost per lead, you know, inbound leads, what's working, what's not. Is the TV working? Is the radio working better? Whatever it may have been. You knew the cost to bring them in the door, and then you were watching whether or not your guys, by individual guy, were effective in closing them or not. You were able to optimize your business as a result of that. That's not stuff that you see every day. Well, what happens is you, all these things are like reports that you had to fill out. How much did it cost to get a customer? What was the closing percentage of each person? So I believed in computerizing all of this stuff. And all of a sudden, they used to hand me these big, thick piles of reports where I could look through these things. And then one day I was in Las Vegas and I looked up at the TV monitor and there was horse races going on. And I looked at these things and I'm realizing that they're providing all of the information to all the people necessary real time on the spot. And I said, I'm looking at reports that are a day or two or three, you know, whatever it is old. So I changed my tactic and a lot of people have copied me over the years and put everything front and center for everybody to see, completely transparent. Everybody knew what was going on real time at that second. So everything's right in front of all of our people. So we have like a scorecard that we can keep track and see how we're doing. And when somebody gets off track, we can either get them back on track, coach them up, which is what we want to do, or coach them out, which is what we have no choice to do. You know, you never want to get rid of a good person. You want to get somebody that's not taking care of your team. And now having successfully laid the foundation of 1-800-Hansons and taking it from a $5,000 startup in 1988 to a company performing at a level that is every entrepreneur's dream, Brian Elias gets his payday as a private equity firm comes calling to purchase 1-800-Hansons. What happened was I had built up a company. It was making great money and it got to the point where money was cheap to borrow. And both my CFO and myself realized it's probably the right time. And we realized that and we said, let's set this thing up. So we brought in an investment banker. We interviewed a bunch of them. I found a great guy. He was superb. And by the time he was done, he knew more about my business than I did. And these guys are brilliant, some of the smartest people I ever saw. And we did all of the legwork to make sure it was set up to sell before we went to market. We didn't wait for the phone call to, you know, although I was getting phone calls, we didn't wait for that phone call. We set it up where we got people fighting to get a piece of our business, fighting that they wanted an opportunity to buy for it. And when you get people fighting, the price goes up. So that was our intent was to get the price as high as possible because that's why you start a business is to eventually sell it to somebody else. So I had the opportunity to sell it to a private equity firm. They're a great firm. They promised the world about taking my business to the next level. And the business is growing. I would love to tell you it's growing as fast as I would have liked, but you know, we also went in the midst of COVID. 
So that definitely, you know, threw a wrench in the process, but it's still growing and they seem to be doing a good job. And so that was exciting to go and do this. And I remember how excited I was and the day that they were going to like wire the money. And I didn't even want to look on my phone because I wanted to wait till my wife was there. My son was there and open it up and see, you know, a whole lot of money sitting there that paid for all the hard work and the stress and the, just the, I mean. The validation. You were right. Yes. And I, and I did it. You did it. And it was like, wow. And that feeling I'll never forget. And people ask me all the time, how come I'm doing it again? Because I want to repeat that feeling. And now today I have the roadmap. I didn't have a map when I first started. I sort of made the map up as I went along. And today I have the roadmap. What do you do on the heels of selling a company that's done hundreds of millions in sales? You start another one, if you're Brian Elias. We're starting a company called Refloor. And we started off again just before COVID. So bad timing. But we're five locations open already. And I expect within five years, we'll be doing over $100 million in sales. This year, I think we'll do $25 million in sales. I mean, it's almost hard to believe. It's hard to believe. And you started it how many years ago? Two. 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 So you go from concept to two years at $25 million in sales. You know what you're doing. I know what to do because I have the roadmap. I have the recipe. So once you have the recipe, all you have to do is remake that recipe. You know, at the end of the day, people forget your job is to service the customer and solve a problem for them. That's the business. And that's something that I always like to drive and, you know, tell people that sell the advantages, sell, sell why you're lucky to do business with us just as much as we're lucky to do business with you. And you start to think like that and you start to think from the consumer's point of view, it makes it really easy. If you think from a greedy point of view, it's hard to grow a business. When you think from a customer point of view, customers will gladly give you their money if you service their needs. Always put the customer first and be authentic in your mission to do it. Absolutely. And then deliver. Deliver on your promises. Deliver on the promise. Then it's rinse and repeat. And you will drop the ball often. And you'll build processes so you don't drop the ball. And that's what we've done. So now you've got refloor. You're on your way two years into it, 25 million in sales uh, already at the end of the year. We sold 150,000 yesterday. Just in one day, one day, 150,000 in sales. Listen, where does refloor go in your mind? It's going to go to the moon. I mean, it's going to be the largest flooring company in the, in America, period. I don't go out to lunch. I don't do anything other than I enjoy the work because it's a challenge for me. There's nothing I want to buy. I have enough money. But it's the challenge of building something from scratch. It's the excitement of it. It feels good to go from a startup of nothing to being, you know, on the road to be this largest flooring company in America. And when I tell people this, for whatever reason, they actually believe me. Because I sometimes, when I'm saying it, I go, I can't believe I'm saying this. But I do believe it in my heart that I got this. And I'm going to put a challenge to all those other flooring companies out there, not because I want to hurt them. I never want to hurt anybody. But I know that I'm going to give them a run for their money. When you look back on that kid that struck out on his own, got his license, built his own company, 
You love that. I mean, who can't love that? That's an amazing, unique, rare story. That's you. You did that. What would that kid, if he could look forward, that same kid, look forward, think about Brian Elias today and what you've achieved in your life? I lived so far beyond my dreams today. I didn't even dream this big. So I would tell everybody today, dream bigger than you ever imagined. Because the opportunities are endless out there. Don't be afraid. Be confident. Be bold. Don't be afraid. Be confident. Be bold. Certainly, that sums up the way our featured entrepreneur pursued his dreams. Congratulations, Brian Elias. Thank you for listening to today's featured story, 1-800-HANSONS, right here on Business Biography. Thanks for listening to Business Biography on the great voice of the Great Lakes, 760 WJR.